0: Metro Rebel Gamecast is brought to you by templeofgeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at templeofgeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast. We discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebel is released Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templategeek.com, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook and Instagram, Retro Rebel Podcast, for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host Amanda. Hello. <laughs> Hello, how are things? We've yeah. taken We took a we took an impromptu break schedule and otherwise, but how have things been? Yeah, things have been good. Uh, London. I I accept full responsibility for our hiatus. (laughs) I just would put it out there, so no one else has to. (laughs) That's okay.
1: Listen, sometimes we gotta take breaks in life. Sometimes you have to. Life,
0: (laughs) life gets in the way sometimes.
1: Hey, look, we're back and better than ever. I mean, hopefully, I've got a new headset, so hopefully the sound is nice and uh, there's less Darth vaping and less muting. So hopefully, Darth vaping. better experience overall for Fantastic. the listeners so let us know what you think in any of our social media channels or in the comments about the sound of my voice uh hopefully it's better that's
0: the, the sound case. of your voice is better amanda and that, that's that will be my first comment so. yay <laughs> yay uh so yeah what have you been doing what have you been playing or what's been going on
1: uh, well, I played Halo 5 this week. If you've been keeping up with my Twitch stream, you'll see that I played uh, a half an hour uh, on Twitch and then a, a little bit before and after. I say it several times in the Twitch stream. Halo 5 is a dark game, like visually dark. And I literally dark, like literally yeah. dark. I've got my gamma to the max and it's still hard to see things in general it's it's a very very black game and i i don't know why and i find it sort of frustrating i know that i said it several times on the stream which might have been annoying for some people who did watch it um maybe it's my tv or maybe it's the game itself i have no idea uh but that was it became quite distracting and i couldn't get past the fact that i couldn't see anything you know like there'd be like a gun on the ground or whatever and i could just barely make it out and that sounds super enjoyable for me. Um Yeah. So I had a harder time playing it than usual. They've also made the hunters a lot harder, I think. I mean I was I was emptying clips into the back of the hunter. I mean, that's where you hit them, that's where you've always hit them. Like anybody who's played right. Halo, that's where they get hit. Um <laughs> And it it just wasn't dropping. And I was like, well, have they made these harder or something? Like, what's going on? Um, But I I do like the fact that you have companions in there that can res you if you sort of go a little bit too gung-ho and things like that. But that isn't the only game I played. When I wrote the notes for the show, uh, which we were supposed to record last week, we didn't have a chance to. um, That was the only game I had played. But actually, uh, yesterday? No. Thursday... Friday, Friday, I played uh, the character campaigns in Street Fighter Ultimate Edition on the PS4.
0: Did you? So you have had a chance to play it.
1: I did. Uh, How'd your
0: button mashing skills go?
1: My button mashing skills are pretty good. I uh, 100%ed all of the female character campaigns. Uh, just for fun and profit. And it was pretty fun. I I personally liked that you could skip the dialogue stuff pretty efficiently and just get to <laughs> yeah. the fighting, which that's kind of what I'm about. Uh, I just wanted to experience how the different female characters played and you know what their moves were like and stuff uh but i wanted to also help my partner out by unlocking some stuff on his console so that he had uh, a little <laughs> a couple extra trophies when he came back um and yeah it, it was good um i think that the modern street fighter games suffer from what i'm now gonna call the uh over complication of fighting games like yeah it is a lot harder and i felt although I can't confirm because I wasn't playing on an Xbox and I am I know what the buttons are on an Xbox. I couldn't tell you which one is, is uh, any other than uh, Cross, which is the very bottom uh, and you use it for <laughs> a lot of stuff. But I don't know what the other ones actually are on a PlayStation. So I couldn't right. explain to you what I was experiencing, but I feel like punches and kicks were different buttons for different characters i can't confirm it but it felt like that was the case yeah while i was playing now i didn't look at their move list and it was just it was just a feeling but i felt like some of the characters things that did the kicks in other characters (laughs) did not do the kicks for them especially the uh the girl in like the green sort of i don't know taekwondo-y, judo-gi sort of thing, her. Like, yeah. I think she's doing some form of capoeira or something like that. But her, her controls seemed incredibly different from everybody else's. And when I played her, like, I actually... So well, and it,
0: see, that may make sense um, mm-hmm. because I think capoeira is is more of a, a kicking art anyway. And so, like, a lot of times you're doing kicks out of handstands and stuff like that. And so maybe her kicks and punches are all kicks like yeah, everything's kicks. It's for it's her.
1: possible. It's possible. I think she I think instead of punches she had like an elbow that she would like okay. throw throw out an yeah. elbow. Um but I think it was a good game. It controlled well. Uh the campaign was incredibly easy, however.
0: Now did he buy it or did he download that from PlayStation Now?
1: Uh I think it was PlayStation Now.
0: Because that's how I have it and 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 I remember we talked about it a few weeks ago. I thought that a lot of it had to be unlocked. There was a, there were a lot of microtransactions still on that on mm. that version of the game. And so it turned me off almost immediately. Like I played Ryu or Ryu, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I think I it was Ryu for a minute and and I could only play Ken and a couple of I, those those were the only two I could choose from. So you could pick other characters uh, had he well, unlocked them?
1: Well I was playing the story and I didn't go into okay. the arcade mode so I don't know if there was like but whenever I completed a character story it said something about some costume option being unlocked so I don't know right. if maybe you have to go through the story first in order to unlock those characters or something I don't know because mm-hmm. it was unlocking stuff while I was playing so I'm not certain you know right. what the dealio was
0: but And I'm okay with that
1: it was a lot easier campaign wise than Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. It was like the campaign difficulty went from super easy to I'm dead within two <laughs> fights. Yeah. Whereas I got, I didn't, I didn't lose a single match in any of the female campaigns that I played. Not one. In fact, I, I think the lowest health I got was like to half health. So it's quite easy in yeah. comparison. Uh,
0: I think our experiences of that game are completely different, and I think it's because we played different modes because uh, I experienced the same thing in the arcade version where you it wasn't the story. I don't, I don't it just couldn't have been the story. I may have to go back. I may be misspeaking, but anyway mm. I don't think so though. Mm. I, I'm pretty sure I'm not it was enough that like I said I, I didn't enjoy it and I turned it off. It was like I I'm not gonna and I, and I, I love Street Fighter of all the fighting games. Street Fighter was I guess it was probably the first for me to play in an actual arcade and really enjoy and be good at and have a character that I went back to, to go back and play, which was Guile. I always liked playing with Guile and, uh, I just did not get the same feel. I I like that they've added a lot of characters to the roster. I think it's, uh, I think the, um, the selection is, is pretty actually pretty cool, um, who you can pick to fight with. And of all the fighting games, I don't know that there's any that's done it better. Mortal Kombat, everyone has it, their own feel, I guess, and their own kind of style. But mm. uh, Street Fighter was always my favorite. I just didn't have the same experience, but I think it's because I didn't play the mode that you did. Mm. Uh, so,
1: To be fair, Maybe, I think my partner had the same experience that you had. Where he was like, they really? made it suck.
0: <laughs> yeah, I that's how I that's how I felt, man. As soon as I as soon as I started playing it, I it, it just was not. I, you just couldn't pick. I couldn't pick whatever character I wanted to pick and then start. You know, start playing in the in the arcade mode. Mm. I had to pick from one of the two, and then maybe from there unlock characters, or maybe I had to play the story mode. I don't know. Mm. It wasn't very clear, and. It wasn't even really clear which modes I could play or what was unlocked because there was a lot of stuff that was behind a paywall. Right. So, you know, and it's like, well, you know, technically I got this game for whatever the monthly price is for PlayStation now. (laughs) So it's not free. And at any point, whenever they pull it like they did Control, then I can't play it anymore. Mm. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, well. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. That's good.
1: Yeah, it was a good, it was a good, I think I finished it in like an hour and a half, unlocking all the female characters, like yeah. uh, campaigns, which is all I wanted to achieve.
0: Yeah, well, and, and I actually think that anything that you can unlock and and uh, any characters that you can unlock through playing the game, I am 100% for that, you know, even if it takes a while and, and you have to get good at it, I am I'm 100% for <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, get good at fighting games, fighting games. Racing games, kind of in the same category for me, though. Mm. So, yeah, play them. I won't seek them out or buy them. Not even Smash Brothers. Even the Nintendo fanboy in me won't buy Smash Brothers. <laughs> so, well, I, uh, I've been slacking. I've been really busy with life. So, I uh, haven't played a whole lot of games. But what I have played, <laughs> you won't be surprised, is... Uh, Warcraft. So, yeah. World of Warcraft, they did the level squish. So, pre-patch came out last week. And that means that in the next few weeks, theoretically, uh, the new expansion is supposed to release. And I imagine it's going to release sometime around mid-November, early mid-November, uh, is my is my guess. Right. It could be later than that. The, normally, the pre-patch comes out a couple weeks before the actual patch comes out, or the actual expansion comes out. And what they did is they they level squished. So the high level or the uh, max level in game was one hundred and twenty. So before. Wow! So when I quit, yeah. it,
1: I think it was ninety.
0: Yeah. So it's one twenty now. Well, they squished it all the way back down. Now max level is fifty.
1: Oh wow! That's what it was yeah. when I started.
0: Fifty. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's sixty. They moved it to 60 shortly after, you know, the, the beginning of the game, you know, in 2004. They moved it to 60, and a few years later, I guess, and, uh, uh, and then it's it just was gone 60. up.
1: Maybe it was 60. Yeah. I think it was 60. City of Heroes was 50. Sorry, I misspoke.
0: Yeah. And maybe it was always 60. I don't know, but I, I wasn't 60 uh, when uh, the, oh, it was Ragnaros, I think, was the big boss at the beginning. Anyway, long story. But... Now it, it was 120, and so when you logged in after the pre-patch uh, festivities, it was it was level squish across the board. There was kind of a new leveling experience for some of the other characters. Uh, and overall, leveling alts has been a lot easier. So uh, I had a couple goals I wanted to achieve before the expansion comes out. One of them is, and as I've said this on a, a, f- a few episodes ago, I've been working on this B-mount <laughs> trying to get this. Oh God, here beam we out. go with the B. I got it. Yay. I finally got it. Yes. So I got it and my wife was about as excited as you are uh, about it. Um maybe less
1: listen you got to have goals in games though it might sound stupid to someone else but like i'm actively going after the triplets achievement in sims 4 so who can make fun of who (laughs) not me yeah
0: exactly so I, i i mean i was uh and and it ended up being a little easier because they have that that double rep for uh for submitting uh uh I guess it's a du- it's double re- double rep and double experience maybe for uh, certain factions. So I was getting double rep every time I turned in the honey that you have to collect for the, for the mount. So uh, I think that helped. But I finally got it. And, uh, and then I was, you know for my for my main character, that was all I wanted to achieve for that character. It's like, I've done everything I want to in the game right now that was the last thing I really wanted to achieve. And now let me go work on some of the other alts that I have that I enjoyed playing before, but just didn't have time to, to play, you know? And so I had a, um, a druid that I've enjoyed a worgen druid and, uh, what's better than a werewolf that can also turn into a bear and a cat and a seal mm. and mm. a bird and everything else. I mean, it's just the best. And so, um, but he, and he was one of my, he was my favorite character, even though he wasn't my main, he was my favorite character, but they did a lot of changes to, uh, the Druids and the, and the, and your, your, uh, oh, man, now I think the coffee's just now kicking in, but <laughs> basically you have your, your, uh, button sequence. And I cannot think of the term that they use for because you know, old, um, but you have, you have your, uh. Uh, whatever it is, man. You you're supposed to push your buttons in a, a specific order so that you can maximize damage, and I cannot remember what it is. But basically, they change the spells that you're supposed to use, uh, and so I had to figure out more or less how to play my characters again. And they right. brought back some really cool things for uh for my shaman, who is my main character. So. Totems used to be a really big thing. So anybody who plays Warcraft, or World of Warcraft, you may like some of these changes, you may not. I really like the fact that they brought back some of the stuff that made playing your character fun and maybe difficult. Uh, or at least, at the very least, it made you uh, apply a level of skill and not just rake your face across the keyboard. So I could, I could manage... Uh, my totems and and manage uh, you know the the different wind fury and and uh, flame tongue weapons that you have and, and and how all of that affects you're basically tracking a lot of different variables to make sure that you're maximizing damage instead of just pushing a button sequence you know right. so and I really enjoy it's it just it's a lot more involvement in your character and, and you have to be paying attention and so you're playing the game and it's. It just was more fun, so I've enjoyed it so far, uh, but I've gone back, and I've leveled up too, so now I have like four or five max max level characters um, going into the next uh, f- the next expansion, and two, Horde, three, uh, Alliance, and um, that way, and, and I like having one on each side so I can kind of experience both sides of the story. You know, I can see what's happening in the Horde side, I can see what's happening on the Alliance side, and it... It just adds... It's one of the coolest parts about this game is that there really, except for Sylvanas, there really aren't any really bad people. Right. You know, it's like both sides have made bad decisions. Um, although the Alliance kind of has the high ground right now. Um, at me in the comments is fine. <laughs> but um, they... I mean, but they do. In the last expansion, the Horde really screwed the pooch. So... Um, but the the leaders of that faction have done what they can to try to reconcile, and, and they are they are all on the up and up. They've just they've just made some really bad decisions. So, uh, but I'm I've really been enjoying the the you know kind of the new changes that they've made. I know there are a lot of people that have been angry, but but as we're going to find in this topic in our news, I think that there are there is a, a, a very loud minority of fans. That that seem to make the most noise about things, and I think that the elitist of elite players, the ones that seem to play this for their job, um, just want to complain about whatever. There's they just want to complain for the sake of complaining, finding something to be outraged about. And uh, anyway, they're they're angry that you know it doesn't matter. Whatever whatever <laughs> changes were made, they were going to be angry about it. So. But I'm enjoying it. I've actually really enjoyed it, and, and, and I'm having a lot of fun. You know, so anyway, that's that's what I've been playing. So what about the news?
1: I've got two news. two Well, two, two and a half news. That's what I'm going with. Two and a half news. Okay,
0: two and a half news.
1: <laughs> so um, I'll go with the half news first. Just a reminder, we are... Six days away at the time of recording on the 25th of October. We are six days away from the inclusion of the EA Access Pass into the Xbox Game Pass. Let me tell you how that has always been my plan. If they would give me <laughs> more Sims 4 for free, I'm going to get that triplet achievement. And I'm like six days away from being able to resume that. Now, I'm quite proud of the fact that I have nearly hundred percent completed a game that I have never owned. Yeah, super proud of it. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's
0: actually pretty impressive.
1: It's like it's like I can't buy it now because it's no, part of no. the allure. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: that,
1: that it makes the achievement even more spassy is that I I've not owned it ever. Um, so that comes into effect uh, at the beginning of November. So we should be able to see what titles we're gonna get with EA All Access. And I'm fairly certain that Sims 4 is gonna be one of them and I'm looking forward to that. So that's my that's my half news. Um,
0: All right. All right.
1: And I guess my, my full news story to accompany that is the pandemic has had a positive reaction on the UK video games industry. So uh, it has added almost 2,000 new jobs to the sector in the UK. Um, It's generating tax revenues of nearly a billion pounds, so more than a billion U.S. dollars, um, and that it contributes 2.2 billion to the U.K., GDP uh, economy overall and I think with more people than ever working from home and um, not having long commute times I think it makes sense that gaming is becoming more popular and making more money than it ever has before so if anybody's thinking of making a switch to getting into the game industry like now seems to be a good time to move into it um, because new people are, are coming into gaming overall as a result of the pandemic and hopefully some of that interest in gaming will will uh, remain uh record sales of handheld consoles and um easy adoption consoles like the switch and things like that so it's probably a new segment of gamers entering the market in addition to existing gamers playing more than before
0: well, that's good news, I guess, in a way. Yeah. I would think that's good news. It's
1: more jobs, more money for the economy. I'm sure the same is in the U.S. but Obviously, I live in the U.K., so that's what we're talking about, you know, over right. here.
0: Right. Right. No, um, <laughs> rotation was the term that I was looking for, and thankfully, it finally came down from wherever it was hiding to <sighs> let me know uh, my rotation. So. Uh,
1: yeah. So oh I, my God! I haven't why lost didn't I think all of that? my
0: gaming cred. Just. Uh, Maybe a little bit of it. That's funny. Um, So uh, the the main news that I had, and and I'm I'm willing to bet by the time this this episode is released, there will have already been a Jimquisition on it, uh, which is the Google Stadia comments uh, that were made by uh, the creative director, who uh, uh, his name is Alex Hutchinson, and we've linked it in the notes so you can check it out. Uh, the article on uh, Game of Sutra. Mm. Anyway, uh, basically said that um, streamers are, this is a quote from the from the actual article, Game uh, streamers are worried about getting their content pulled because they used music they didn't pay for. They should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce, and in quotes, the licensing agreements. Uh, and unquote. So, We've done a couple episodes on the Stadia and just um, and and our concerns and you know trying to speak objectively and not just my opinion. Some of the some of the objective concerns of streaming games uh, in general, just the lack of technology across the board, uh, providing like a, a seamless service. Um, you know, I've even found with certain television, like my son's television that he had I I let him I I I let him move one of the bigger TVs into his room to use and it actually wasn't fast enough to keep up with some of the games that he was playing Mm. like the television wasn't yeah so um so just imagine the the number of variables that have to line up to maximize the use of a streaming service of an online only service um Especially with the size of some of these games and, the, and, uh, you know, regardless of what somebody might say, their, their Internet connection or their Internet connectivity might be perfect and they've never lost uh, their, their uh, connection, which is just not true. Everyone's <laughs> lost their connection yeah. at some point or another. Uh, and it's not always the same and it really depends on where you live and it depends on how many people. If you're if you're in the state of Alabama right now and everybody's got YouTube TV or, or Sling or something or X5, Xfinity, they're streaming their television at, at this point. Mm-hmm. And if it's Saturday afternoon or Saturday night and Alabama or Auburn are playing football, you're not going to get great service. Because they're streaming the football game. There's going to be millions of people streaming a football game. Yeah. And in your town, hundreds of thousands of people streaming uh, the football game. And so, you know, it's just that's that's just a fallacy. It's just not true uh, that that your service isn't going to be interrupted or affected in some way, shape or form because it's competing with other individuals trying to use the same service. So. I personally have as good of an internet connection as I possibly can have where I live. Mm. And I can't even use the PlayStation Now service. Much less it, it, it's not fast enough. It's See, that's not fast crazy to, to
1: me because I know that you bought the best that you could get right. in the area.
0: Right. And it checks it and it and it is not it, it it's not steady enough for me to be able to stream even small games on there.
1: That's crazy.
0: Um it, it's crazy and it and it to me it's like, well, uh, if that wasn't enough reason for me to think that the PlayStation now wasn't worth it the fact that they're they just don't have the same selection of games that Xbox does is a reason you know is the the you know final reason but all that to say that's the first that's the first strike against the, the Stadia mm-hmm. to begin with is that we're they're just we're just not there yet the other thing that we've said on this and again is an objective point is uh on, on, we've said on this show is the physical media or at the very least a sense of ownership is I know it's not as important to everybody else but when it comes down to what you're paying for you're 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 in the end you're you're buying a game that you can only pay for if you've got a connection that is steady and and a server that's willing to provide you with that game and right now they're talking about you know individual streamers not having the right to to Stream games that they didn't purchase, uh, and and that they're making money off of, and that the comment seems to—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, 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 uh, the writing on the wall of what I think any anybody in this industry and anybody who's who does podcasts on this stuff and, and talks about it is probably anticipating coming in the future anyway. Mm. Is is the are these companies going to come and shut down some of these streamers um, because? You know, like music, they want they want to make money off of what you're making money off of. Yeah, they want to make money off of your stream because you are making money off of their game, and they're equating it to music.
1: And they could in of. their right. They
0: could. It's it, they could, and and it looks like. And I read a couple of Eulas, and and we did an episode on that as well. I read. I know that's not true. I did not read the Eulas. I read a piece of the Eula. Nobody reads.
1: No one reads all of Eulas.
0: No one reads all of it. So I read a piece of it of EAs, and which is which is one of the lengthier ones, and one of the ones that I would have guessed uh, incorrectly would be less lenient to streamers, and they apparently are more lenient to streamers who they have an agreement with. So if they are providing material to the streamer, it's an it's under the understanding that it's a symbiotic relationship. Again, I am paraphrasing this. It's not the direct quote, but essentially um, this is we are we're working together in this. We we are we are going into this as partners in a way, you know, because. I don't, I don't again have the numbers in front of me either, but it it has at least anecdotally seemed like the streamers are driving the popularity of games, which ultimately leads to an increase in sales. Right. Minecraft is is still popular and people are buying it on like their 75th different console uh, because of streamers. I would say that almost entirely. Its popularity, is, um, it's popularity is entirely held up by streamers at this point.
1: You yeah. know,
0: that, that that's why it's popular. Uh, still, now it's not that it's not a good game, but I mean, I don't know how else you would keep it in front of as many people without having to pay any more money, right? Yeah. I don't know. So you, you were in advertising. So w- what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, I think...
0: Or are in advertising.
1: I think there's the letter of the law and then what's commonly done. Do you know what I mean? I think there'd be a lot of backlash if all of a sudden they started to enforce the pieces of the Eula that they've so far been neglecting. It's kind of like the speed laws and what we actually do when it comes to the fast lane in the US. Do you know what I mean? Like it's generally, the slow lane is for the speed limit. And then you got like five over and 10 over to 20 over depending on, do you know what I mean? On a, on a three lane highway. And that's the done thing. And in fact, you'd cause more problems if they started pulling people over instead of just letting them keep with the flow of traffic. So I think streaming is analogous in that, you know, if they start punishing people, especially on an incredibly unpopular console like Stadia,
0: um, if they
1: start punishing people, it's going to cause more harm than just allowing it to continue and finding a way to monetize it. Like they could easily have uh, (coughs) stuff on the loading screen that advertises what platform it's being played on and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Like if they were smart, They'd find a way to monetize it instead of trying to shut it down. I think people would be understanding of that. They're like, okay, cool. Like, we could shut you down, but instead on the loading screen, we're going to put a little, like, as played on Google Stadia at the bottom right, you know, so people know where you are and how you're playing this.
0: Well, and I would be fine with that. I would be fine, but I, I think we're, I don't know. I'm not in business that way, so that's that's not my that's not my area of expertise or my discipline. So I don't I can't speak as intelligently as I would like to on the business side of this. But it just stands to reason that that's it is a symbiotic relationship. They are both benefiting from this, um, you know. And, and if it, at the very least you make them pay for their you know these streamers make them pay for their games, then then at the very least I saw an analogy where. It was like um you know a builder of a house doesn't get paid every time somebody rebuys that house you know and moves into that house again
1: yeah and I think that's that's a fair comparison you know but I yeah. I think it's wise that Google's distancing themselves from these comments because they're not they're not a good way to win pr they have bad optics oh, no, overall no, no, no. Uh, right. so I'd, I'd be distancing myself from those as well
0: much. and even if they agree with it which i'm sure there's some exec up there that's you know twiddling his fingers together like you know mm. mr burns that this is going to be the next big cash cow and they're going to be able to kind of monetize those that are monetizing i i think though you have to distance yourself from it because it's just the right thing to do, mm-hmm. first of all. Uh, well, right meaning business-wise. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. But at the same time, by saying inflammatory things like uh, like Alex is saying, it it was the number two trending topic on Twitter now. So people are Googling Stadia and they're looking it up and they're checking it out on Twitter and all the social media. They want to see what he said. And so it's it's that old adage of, uh, you know, no publicity is bad publicity. I mean, or technically, whatever, you know?
1: technically, but there there is a point where it, it does become damaging to the brand and you never recover and Let's be honest, For sure. the music industry did not win that fight. Yeah? There right, are less right. actual sales of music than I think ever before. Uh, because the right. dominance is on the streaming platforms, and you know people pay a subscription and they get all of the music, and the creators, everybody lost in that battle. Nobody won there. Right. So. Right. I think that's probably the worst analogy. Way to go, Metallica. To yeah, thanks a lot, yeah. Metallica. <laughs> but the, you know that—that's um, the thing, though. Like nobody won there. Nobody won there. The artists yeah. didn't win. The record companies didn't win. The only people that won were people who were like, oh, okay, so this is how people want to get their content. Cool. We're going to make that possible. Do you know? Like, And
0: we'll make 10 different streaming services to yeah. do that. Yeah.
1: You know, streaming services are where we're at. You know, Netflix, uh, Spotify. You know, YouTube, you name it. Streaming, Twitch, like streaming services is the future. Every other form of content is slowly dying. Like uh, the other day. Well,
0: and and, you were going to say, I'm sorry. uh, The
1: other day we went to like this computer exchange shop uh, to pick up some DVDs for a project my partner was working on and Twilight was a pound. Do you know the DVD (laughs) of Twilight was a pound? That's, That's not an old movie, really. And it's still super popular and like the all sorts of super popular movies, 50 pence. Do you know what I mean? Like these things were 20, 30 bucks when they came out and now like 50 cents. And the guy behind the counter was saying when you bring it in for a trade in, they give you on average between one and four pence per DVD. Right. Do you know? (laughs)
0: <laughs> they can't make any money otherwise yeah. yeah. I mean and, and if I knew of a place that I could go buy movies, you know, Best Buy is about the only place that you can get DVDs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: still, and I don't even know I haven't been there because of the pandemic very much. So I haven't even looked at their movies. It's not why I was in there. I haven't looked. So all that to say, I think I think you're right and I'm reluctant in, in, in coming to terms with the fact that that gaming may be going this way as well. That does not stop me from wanting to at least be able to download my games to a hard drive, (laughs) at the very least. I want to at least be able to play them when I want to. If I can do that, if I still have the option to buy digital music, that's fine. I'll stream it, but I'll buy the ones that I really want. If I can do the same thing with gaming, I think that you can have this symbiotic relationship between streaming services for gaming. I think I would be much more like, not that they're worried about my opinion, but I do think that this is a cautious, educated opinion on on the topic is you're going to want to be able to buy it if you can, even if you don't know that's the case right now. You want the option. You don't want the freedom of that particular option to be taken from you, you because then the control is... Well, it's 100% in somebody else's hands, and there's they have all the leverage, and that's never good. It's never good when they have all the leverage.
1: I mean, it already you know, is, so. though. Let's be honest. All they have to do is turn the servers off these days. It Let me have my dreams. Going, and I'm sorry.
0: Let me I have <laughs> my dreams. I
1: just want to be realistic about where we are. Like um, they, All they have to do is turn um, the servers off, and that's it. Well, if
0: they turn the servers off for, for Warcraft, that's one thing, and I would understand that, and I can't play that game anymore, but I want to play Bioshock. You know, I want to be able to go play Mass Effect and, and all the DLC that I've downloaded and and be able to kind of sync up my three campaigns as I as I go through the story if I wanted to and never have to worry that my game is going to, uh, you know, is going to shut down or not even boot because I need to be connected to the internet so that the internet can check and see if I pirated my games or some other stupid stuff. Yeah. So, I which I didn't you have they that just, with it's old just a games, way to check your st-
1: but like not anymore you do like with new games i think drm makes it so that it's not really
0: but this- is it nefarious i mean i know that's not the topic but i mean to me that's that is that intrusion is an, is nefarious to me like it is a check to make sure that you always need them you got to come back to them they you i can't buy your product I can't think of anything else in the world that I can't buy without having, it would be like to me buying a vehicle and them putting some sort of fix in it or governor that makes me have to come back to the shop every so often all the time, no matter what, for as long as I own it, I can't just own my car. I have to come back to you all the time to get maintenance specifically because you have rigged it so that my car will break down to come back to you. That's garbage. I mean, that's That's
1: literally what Apple got in trouble for doing.
0: (laughs) I, well, it is what the gaming industry is doing. You know, that's what they're doing, and and the if if there's there's got to be a hundred equivalents of out there in the world right now where we could just see how this is not a good plan. Mm. You know, it's a good plan for them, obviously. It's just not a good plan for us. So yeah, man, get me fired I know, you up. You got fired
1: thing up. Thing. Well, okay, let's take d- <laughs> it back down here and let's talk about something nice, which is. Yes. The teensy-tinesiest Sega console ever, yeah? Very, so there's a link nice, yes. in the the description of this episode. But the console is barely bigger than your fingers. It's super micro mini. It's like basically the size of a keychain, yeah? And it's $50, so it's like the most expensive console per square inch, I think, that's ever been made. <laughs> But it's really charming and quite cute. And uh, the people that tested and played the games for it said that actually they perform surprisingly well for having a screen that's like the size of your thumbnails, Do you know, like, which is kind of charming. I don't know. Well, I mean, who the market is, but. <laughs>
0: well, why wouldn't you want? Uh, you know, why wouldn't you want the Game Gear? If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't the Game Gear like the one console that had the? Oh, I, we have a special Daddy. guest. Oh, a special oh, guest.
1: Baby. Yeah. Some dummies? <laughs>
0: Didn't it take like seven hundred batteries?
1: Uh, yeah, no, it was gigantic. It took lots of batteries. Yeah, that's true. So now you get a Game Gear Micro that's smaller than your palm. Like it's really, really tiny. Um, and I think it has four games that it can play, perhaps. I believe I read that. Um, it's cute. I I think this is very much a collector enthusiast thing. I don't think it has much wide ranging capabilities beyond that. I think playing on something with that solid of a screen for any length of time is probably going to be a bit detrimental to your eyesight. That might be an old wives tale, but it feels like it might be a bit harmful <laughs> to play for a long period of time. But I thought it was cute. Anyway, it's adorable little thing.
0: Can you play very many games on it? I I, I think there's only I four.
1: I think there's only four.
0: For the size, that's still pretty impressive. Yeah. I again, I I don't know how much how much space you need on. Uh, <laughs> and I was looking at it. I mean, like, if your thumbs are big enough, you can't even see the screen. Like, <laughs> it's like
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, thankfully, so, I think they took the picture with a with an average man's hand, so you know that's that's good if you're, if you're a woman, you have smaller fingers, it probably wouldn't be too bad, but it does look really really challenging but the people it might who be worth it having, said it's fine
0: if I had the disposable income, it might be worth having just i mean if you got nothing else to do and and I don't want to give any more money to hearthstone, I might pull that out and yeah, I mean, and, look, and it'll fit in your it'll fit it. in
1: your like front front shirt pocket, no problem. Do you know what I mean? Right.
0: Let me pull out my 25-year-old game gear uh, technology. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. That's pretty cool. I I it's it's charming at the very least, so. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's that is a good happy sandwich uh to or portion of the sandwich anyway to end on to segue into our final segment, which is our main topic today, which we kind of changed at the last second, and I appreciate it because it was festive. So we're, we're talking festive today. By the time this comes out, this will come out the day before Halloween, mm. which I think is, is appropriate. We usually do at least one scary episode or scary game episode, even though we uh, admittedly are big wusses when mm. it comes to uh, scary games. And uh, I am much more. I'm a much bigger fan of watching other people play uh, than playing them at all. But uh, but that doesn't stop me from every now and then torturing myself and getting into a, a horror game. But what I wanted to talk about today was is is really what you and I think makes a game scary. And in, 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 the, in the light of everything, uh, things that have changed, games that have come out, um, and maybe our opinions have changed. Because we've kind of talked about this before, but maybe not to this extent, especially with uh, how VR has kind of changed. Uh, and, and maybe you have played some of these horror games on VR. I know I have. And so I think I have a better opinion, a, a more informed opinion on the differences between the different horror genres and what makes horror games scary to me mm. or what makes a really good one. And it doesn't just have to be, you know, gore or slender man.
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah. But yeah. So
1: it's a good topic. It's a seasonal topic. We appreciate that. I'm enjoying an iced pumpkin spice caramel latte at the moment. So it feels appropriate. Very
0: nice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, well, I think first maybe let's start with what I don't think really makes a game scary. I, I don't think that you can just have people being chopped up into bloody bits and have that be what makes it scary. In fact, gore in any scenario generally elicits two responses for me. The, I can't watch gross. I'm going to throw up response or The laughably, this is ridiculous, whoa, where did that guy's arm go response? You know, like, (laughs) but neither of those are actual fear. I don't think I'm actually scared by gore, (laughs) which might say something about the general condition of desensitization that I've gotten at Um, this point. (laughs)
0: Potentially. Um, Potentially.
1: But when something gory is happening, either on a TV screen or in a game or whatever... It either makes me want to throw up because I just really don't like blood and gross stuff. Or it's so ridiculous, like Kill Bill style, you know, like Mortal Kombat, where I'm just like, whoa, you know? But There's like, a
0: disconnect between that re- reality. I, I completely yeah. agree with that.
1: So I don't think that gore works, in, in my opinion, at all as a primary horror driver. Does it help? Is it... Add to the atmosphere, sure, but is that the thing that's gonna do it? I, I don't think so at all. Same thing with just like unnecessary violence, do you know? Like, right, that doesn't really add it to me because once you've already scared me, I'm sort of at peak emotional arousal, so like, I really can't get any more stressed out than I am. So if someone's just being awful, I'm just like, oh, that's just unnecessary. Do you know what I mean? That's the reaction that you get. It doesn't make it scarier. It's just like, but why, though? (laughs) But why, though? Right. (laughs) Like, I'm already scared, but why, though? Like, why do you have to go there? So I think those are, violence and gore doesn't really make things scary for me. And maybe I've watched too much, I don't know, Predator and things like that, where that's just not going to do it anymore. Who knows? That's probably another topic. But for you, do you Probably. think those two things make that much of a difference?
0: I, I think that by themselves, gore uh, gore does not, for sure. I agree. I mean, I remember in Mortal Kombat where you know Kano could rip out your heart or I think uh, uh, Scorpion could rip your spine out or something like that on the fighting game, and, and that was about as gory as it got unless you played Splatterhouse or something like that. But even those were so... Disconnected. From, I mean, they, there was they weren't that realistic. Even though I think the the Mortal Kombat games did the whole full motion video type uh, capture, yeah, or the the so it was an actual person doing all the movements, and you kind of got a pixelated version of that. But it still was disconnected, and so kind of over the top that that it you were disconnected from it being real. It's the 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 it in and of itself is not enough it has to it has to be accompanied by other things so the gore to me doesn't do it either and I, and like, like you said it could be because we grew up on 80s movies and 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 just <laughs> being exposed to some of this stuff before it was before maybe we should have been or whatever, but and being a little desensitized to it. But I think when it's over the top that way, you can disconnect from it being like real. It's, it's, it's entertaining. And it, I think it adds to it. And I think when it's coupled with other things, it can be very, um, it can be very off putting mm. and, and it, it can work, but it has to be accompanied by a couple other elements, which we can talk about, but yeah, you know, what about so, I agree jumps
1: like just jump scares
0: jump scares uh and I have that in my notes as well jump scares are uh to me the one of the cheapest ways cheapest um elements to incorporate into to a horror game and to me they are probably the my least favorite my, the the thing that annoys me and makes me uh least likely to play a game if I know that's what the game the mechanic it's built around they stress me out it's frustrating it makes me kind of angry it it, I can it's a gimmick that when used appropriately can work again just like gore if you use it right I mean there are jump scares in in Jedi Fallen Order where Mm -hmm. you're you're in a you're in a corridor that you can't you can't go right or left you can only go forward or backward and it's a really tight space and something's going to pop up and pop their head in there. Or in The Last of Us 2, when you're crawling through something and, and, a, and a clicker comes right where you are and you have to think really quickly and respond and react. I think as long as you only do that once or twice, you use it sparingly. I don't like it. Um, sometimes you can kind of expect it. Something's going to happen. But it's only because you kind of are aware of the trope. Mm. I think if you weren't aware of the trope, then it might be even more effective in a different way. I, I, now that I think about it, when you are constantly thinking about it and a little bit stressed, I almost like that better even when you don't pay it off. And I'm just thinking, Oh, I wonder if it's going to happen. I wonder what's going to happen <laughs> right here. And then it's, and then it it keeps you tense, but the the jump scare and the loud noise, like they do in Five Nights at Freddy and stuff like that, it's not that's not scary or enjoyable. It's just it's almost annoying and grating, and and uh, it it yeah, it just takes to me. I think it takes away, especially if that's the only mechanic. I think they can be used well, but by and large, jump scares I think are uh, are one trick. In, in the in the bag that needs to be used very sparingly.
1: Mm. Yeah, same. That's same my opinion. Here. I think Five Nights at Freddy's w- is is a comically good representation because of all the YouTube and Twitch streamers that just overblow their reactions to it. Like nobody right. gets that scared. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like you might jump, yeah. you might go, Whoa! you know, but you're not hysterically screaming. Like, let's be right. real about the type of adults we all are. You know, like it. You know that it isn't real, so you might get momentarily startled, but you're not gonna go hysterically screaming. Like, and I think that sort of thing frustrates me, and I don't right. find it. Oh, absolutely enjoyable to watch streams where people are overreacting because you don't. It's have not to enjoyable overreact.
0: to play either. Mm. To me, I, I agree. It's not enjoyable to watch. It's not enjoy- I mean, the first 15, 20 minutes, or 15, 20 minutes, 15, 20 seconds of it where you see a couple people get scared and it's like, oh, that's that was entertaining and that's it, you know, a few minutes of that and that's over with. There are times when it's been done really well and I I know, a, a, I guess, one of our first few episodes that we did and I talked about Bioshock in one of the horror episodes we talked about and mm. in, in, in the first Bioshock game, I was playing with uh, one of my best friends and, and we were uh, we were going through the train station and I can't remember like at what point in the game it is, somewhere, you know, towards the middle. And uh, there is a, a, uh, a splicer on the ground. And, and, you know, basically like you do in every game, you just go loot everything. You're looting trash cans, you're looting people, bodies, whatever. You, you're just looting. That's part of the game mechanics. And so you they lull you to sleep. Mm. that you're just looting everything. Well, you go to loot this body, and as soon as you go to loot it, it pops up, and you have to kill it. it. And it's like it's the only time it happens in the game. But from that point forward, you're thinking every single one of these could do that, which is when that mechanic is used effectively. But when it happened, he and I were sitting on the edge of my bed and we're sitting there playing it, and as soon as that body popped up, I threw the controller up in the air and I fell over backwards on the side of the bed and he ran out of the room because for the first two or three hours, we were just really engaged in the story. I mean, Bioshock's an incredible game and you're really engaged in the story. You know, in the background, you've got that, you know, that fifties music, which is already kind of disconcerting to begin with, (laughs) you know, when you kind of place it with the, the atmosphere of the game and you've got these people crawling on the ceilings and their faces are all disfigured and, they're screaming at you, you know, expletives with hooks for
1: hands. Yikes
0: with hooks for hands. And, you know, and they're, and, but they're yelling at you like you're the one that did this to them. And you're like, I didn't do this to (laughs) you. I'm sorry. And, but in the, but in, in the end, then you, you know, so you're, you're thinking that for a second you're safe just for this second, you know, this, this room is clear. Nobody's trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go up and check this body and it scares you. And I, I threw the controller and he runs out of the room, <laughs> and and I was like, that was done well. Like I remember that moment and that part of the game, and they didn't do it again that I can remember in the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. They didn't need to. It was it was just done perfectly, and so when it's done that way, uh, I think it's it's it can be used. Jump scares can be used effectively, but it wasn't a whole bunch of really grating sound or anything. It wasn't. It didn't last for longer than it should. It was just a very quick moment. That that kind of subverted my expectations of what was going on, and then it, you know, so instead of me waiting for it like wincing, mm-hmm. waiting for that sound and the jump to happen, I'm going through my day like nothing's about to happen, and it just you know <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. Crap out of us it comes out of nowhere.
1: So. Yeah, I, I think that's I think the unexpected. Like where it's not necessarily a horror game per se. So you don't go into it expecting that to happen. But having some horror elements can be pretty powerful. I think for me, what makes a game scary is the atmosphere and the music overall. I think the atmosphere and the music with that like sense of uncertainty of what's going to happen can make me so tense that something that out of context wouldn't be scary becomes scary, right? So then, if there is a jump scare, or if there is some gore, or if there is even just some uninspected movement in the frame, you know, I'm already at that maximum tense level, and right. the the payoff isn't obvious. Like it isn't obvious when it's going to happen. So I think for me, if you Focus on environmental design, you know, making those cramped corridors, you know, making those sounds off in the distance, you know, building that anticipation that something is coming after you, you know, making it dark in a lot of cases, you know, um, and having that music that's slowly building where you you feel that it's getting more tense, like dying light is a zombie game, but I consider it a horror game. Um, and there were night missions where these like super hyped up zombies existed only at the nighttime. And those missions always freaked me out because I knew at some point in that mission, I'm going to get chased by one of those things and I have to hardcore parkour out of there because you can't, they're, they're too <laughs> powerful to really kill. So, right. um, you know, you are already on edge because you know, The whole point is you're going to interact with one of these things. You know, the music is and the atmospheric sounds, you know, birds in the distance, whatever, like that sort of stuff has you hypersensitized where you're looking around, you know, you're jittery, whatever. And then when you would hear the cry of the things and the sensors tell you that they're you know they're nearby or they're coming after you or whatever you know it always got me i would always jump right and then and then i'm back into it you know what i mean they weren't actually jump scaring you it was more that you were anticipating the need to react and then when it's time to do that there's like a momentary oh it's on you know reflexes have to keep it hardcore parkour time like let's go you (laughs) know um yeah And for me, in recent times, that's one of the games I feel like has done it the best Um, consistently. Because even though the night missions are technically essentially the same, where you know you're going to have an interaction with this creature, the time, the number of them, the frequency, the distance away you are from the stuff that you need to get to or where you are in the mission, all those sort of factors really build the dread, the sense of dread that you know right. that the the stakes are, are getting high. Um, and I believe that I completed that game, actually. That's probably one of the few sort of true horror games that I have completed in recent years because it was so well done and they didn't force you to go out into the nighttime all the time. So I could sort of choose when I was ready to experience that element. The daytime sort of, the daytime stuff was pretty low stress do you know and i like right, having yeah. that balance i think if you've got a game like five nights and Freddy's, which is high stress all the time it's it's not a good game a good game should have significant periods of low stress and some player choice around having low stress elements do you know so like maybe you have a really good weapon, like heat sinking missiles or whatever. And you could just go into a room and clear everything and like finally have a relaxing few minutes, you know, and then periods of high stress where you're backed into a corner. You have, you know, like your flashlight's running lower batteries or, or whatever's going on. You have to reach this point, yada, yada, where they force you to interact with those high stress elements. Because if you're just on high alert all the time, I think you actually get mentally exhausted and then it's not enjoyable. yeah
0: no I agree you know I agree, no, I agree. Um, the for me and and I was I was thinking of games that have elements like that and 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 some games that aren't even horror games but what makes that uh, atmosphere so tense what makes you touched on it the the, the having the tense atmosphere mm. um, is is part of it and you know the the ambient sound is huge you know even if if you've got things going on in the background that you can't really hear or or you can't really see and and so you don't you're not really sure you just know that it's disconcerting it's like uh, this you know if it it sounds like something slithering across the floor or something slimy or like you're moving just you know you know the sounds that are off-putting and if it's it's even more disconcerting if you see Nothing that leads you to believe whatever the sound is, is coming from that room, but it's definitely in that room, <laughs> you know, and that's to me, that's some of the more uh, the, the, the elements that that create that that atmosphere that makes it tense so that things that wouldn't necessarily be scary and maybe aren't necessarily scary. Um, they—it's just tense because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for something to happen, even if it never does. And I think that's the most effective way to create that—that that environment, that atmosphere—is huge. That's when gore can come in, and and add to it. You know, uh, you 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 already have the atmosphere, and then you see or hear something in the distance, or or you you cross something like in Silent Hill, where. That was one of the best parts about Silent Hill, especially in the first couple games, where you would be walking around and you're hearing like this industrial, these industrial sounds, mm. you know, in the background. And you're like, man, this does not fit with the environment. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: And then, and then all of a sudden, you'd walk by a body, and and you couldn't tell—is that the upper body, the lower body? What what am I looking at? <laughs> it's like it's not even human uh-huh. necessarily. It's just, and that, that stuff is really is really, uh, off putting. And so um, I th- they did a really good job. And, and, and I think to your point earlier, though, to add to it uh, in terms of things that, that do not add to horror games or that make, that, that make for bad horror is bad camera control or bad, mm. you know, the inability to just because I can't get around to see something because of a fault in the game mechanics doesn't make a game scary necessarily it makes a game frustrating yeah it's okay if you've got tank controls like in resident evil or in silent hill that's a that adds a little bit of character to the game i think and that can make for tense situations but if i'm getting attacked from something that i can't see and i can't control the camera to see it you know and it's a flaw in the in the game mechanics then that is to me something that detracts from the horror and that just makes it frustrating yeah you know
1: No, I I get Environment
0: and sound are are huge.
1: Now, you mentioned VR. Now, I haven't ever played any horror in VR. I've played, uh, like, experiential and sim sort of games in VR, but never any horror. Do you think that horror is easier in VR because there's more suspension of disbelief because you have that 360 control over your visual senses
0: I think that VR is and I'm I think VR is actually very because it's a little bit more immersive in the 360 degrees of vision uh, I think that there are things that VR can do better right Mm -hmm. now than any other type of horror game and maybe better than any other type of game Mm. I think the new that new uh, Star Wars Squadron game is probably better in VR Mm-hmm. Um, I would say again, I haven't played it yet and I, I would like to. but I but I think because you can see in in all directions and you're in space and it's a flight sim, I think that that makes sense for, for that genre to be on that type of game mode. What I think in the horror games that I've played on on um, VR, they are incredibly effective at creating an atmosphere because you can hear things behind you. You (laughs) can hear things in front of you and to your right and left. So you got this stereo sound. You can hear things above you and below you. I mean, it's incredible how immersive just having that sound and then being able to see in all directions uh, what that does to create a, a really dense environment. I think the only the only major issue that i've had in any of the vr games but i think in the horror games specifically is that you just can't move with the same fluidity that you can on a console mm-hmm. so you're kind of stuck and then you kind of teleport from here to the next place you know there's not a lot of walking to the next place or that freedom of movement forward backward right and left
1: mm.
0: you know and so like the one of the first one i played was a game where you shoot you shoot things, and so um, they basically you have to stand in place, and you're, and it's a it's a sh- first person shooter really, where you've got uh, demons and and things that are coming from all different angles. Right, and you can hear them coming, and you can even hear the footsteps running through the grass, and, and little footsteps and big footsteps and whatever, and your and and it creates a <laughs> tense environment, to say the least, uh, but. It was just limited in that I had to stand in one place and do everything. Right. You know, I I had to turn around in in all directions, 360 degrees, to to get everything. But generally speaking, you know, you're limited by that particular aspect of the technology. So I think that there are some things it does really, really well, but there are also things that it doesn't necessarily do as well yet because it's just limited in the way it can be used.
1: Mm. I think it's more scary that you can't move. My goodness.
0: Oh, I mean, absolutely. There, there are components that, yeah, that, that make that even scarier. And I know that you could play the Resident Evil 7 in VR. And I could only imagine just having that, having the, you know, your girlfriend that's possessed just peek her head down over you for upside down. And you just, her face comes into view right in your in your viewer. And, and you're, you know, you're confined to a chair.
1: Lol, well, no. Nope. And there's
0: nothing you can do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. Uh, I, well, nope. It's a lot of nope. I didn't play it. I won't play it. You know. I but I think it would be for someone who enjoys horror. Man, I think that that would be that would be incredible. I think that that would be so awesome to get to play it that way. So yeah, I wanted to talk uh, just lastly about some games that kind of have elements in them that, if you had a Venn diagram, there was an overlap between horror games and the elements that make them great and some of those elements kind of bleeding into other games that that also make those non-horror games great. So there were a couple games that, that really did this, I think, well, that weren't horror games that, for me, uh, I still got that sense of tension, a- environment, ambient uh, sounds and things like that that created... Uh, I don't know, this uh, a similar feeling of uh, dread, <laughs> sense of, of a, uh, you know, that impending doom, and Metal Gear was one of the first ones. Mm. Metal Gear Solid actually was one of the first ones that, and I think this game, that was one of the first ones that did it, but I think some of the elements from that game uh, that cr- helped to create that environment have been used in others to create a similar feeling, but then adding that horror element to it. And that is, there's a, there's a stealth element to those games that create a tension that I think, to me, make the best horror games. And it's because of a sense of helplessness um, and, and a sense of maybe uh, being easily overwhelmed mm. if you make a mistake. Uh, so in Metal Gear, when you get when you're seen, that there, there's a it's almost an iconic sound now. And I you know if we could play it, we'd play it. But I mean, it's an iconic sound when you're and then the exclamation point goes up yeah. over their head <laughs> and, like, and oh, then yeah. the music, yeah, and then the music uh, plays and and it's like this countdown really mm. and there, literally there is a countdown in Metal Gear where everybody will go back to normal if you can stay hidden, but you. Sometimes you actually even have to continue to hide in different places because if you're just in the cardboard box or in a in a locker, they'll find you because they start looking in places. And so, but it's the it's the music and the sense of you know dread or impending doom that if they actually see you and you mess up in your stealth, that they'll they'll find you. Mm. Uh, A similar thing can be found in in The Last of Us, one and two especially with the dogs, because you can't just hide in one place. You have to continue to move your hiding place. And as you move with the dogs, uh, they can smell you, so they can track you, and so they will follow your scent. Once they get caught on your scent, they'll follow you as you've been <laughs> moving from hiding place to hiding place. And so you, there's, there are ways to lose their scent. You can also hit them with a Molotov cocktail and kill the dog that way, which is you know, maybe not recommended a waste of your resources and really brutal on a dog, Mm -hmm. but it is a way to get them off of your scent. Uh, but it, it creates this atmosphere of, of, of a stressful, tense atmosphere, but I think it's the, it's the kind of stress and tense and atmosphere that's, that really, uh, creates to me the most rewarding horror experiences. Um, so, you know, alien isolation, another good example of helplessness where you're locked you're basically you can't kill the alien you just have to not get found and you never know where the alien's going to pop up you have to constantly be moving you have goals and there are components and mechanics to the game I, i haven't played very much of it did you ever play much of alien isolation
1: uh i played a little bit of it it was super scary because you know that it'll like basically one shot kill you so you're just trying to keep ahead of it and keep away from it
0: So closing thoughts on, on what makes a good horror game, any, any like, uh, parting, parting wisdom for those, uh, you know, or, or, you know, 2020 horror, Twenty is horror in and of itself. So
1: (laughs) the year is horror. So I don't think we need any horror games this year, guys. I think save it for 2022, maybe give us a year off happy, happy vibes only. (laughs)
0: That's right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, and 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 obviously we're maybe not the the best uh, horror connoisseurs, uh, or the or the the biggest horror connoisseurs or the best critics. Uh, but I do think that the elements we talked about make make a lot of different types of uh, a lot of different genres better. Um, you know when they're incorporated. Get rid of the jump scares as a mechanic and and don't be lazy. How about that?
1: Nailed it. I can dig that.
0: Nailed it. <laughs> Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, TemporalBeat.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at RetroRebel at If you like what you hear, head over to wherever you download your podcasts and subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time.
1: See you later we